Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your wwe fast lane post show for october 7th 2023 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on this saturday evening wherever you may be man fast lane not really the most Hyped up pay-per-view that WWE's put on. I think this is probably the first WWE Fastlane. I think I wrote it in the description of this video. The first WWE Fastlane held since 2021 was tonight's show. And unlike SmackDown last night, I actually enjoyed this show. It wasn't great by any stretch, it wasn't something that I'm going to tell you guys, oh man, you got to go back and watch. Watch this, watch that, watch this specific match. None of those things. At the end of the night for Saturday night where nothing else is going on and the Braves suck and baseball was boring tonight. Told you they were going to lose to the Phillies. I know my team, man. Congratulations to the Phillies, man. You already uh, made it to the NLCS. 
uh, on a night where nothing else really went on, it was a fine two hours and 45 minutes of pro wrestling. Got a couple of surprises. We got some great wrestling. We got some potential storyline implications moving forward with the Judgment Day and the Bloodline and Cody and Jey Uso winning the WWE Tag Team Championships. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I thought tonight was a decent show, man. Again, nothing uh, too crazy. WWE was in and out of Indianapolis. They're on their way to Monday Night Raw tonight. Can't really complain about much of anything. If you didn't enjoy the show, listen, if you didn't enjoy the show tonight, I I, I completely understand why. I, I know it wasn't the most exciting show. I know it wasn't the most important show. But there is big happenings coming soon in WWE. We got Crown Jewel coming up. We got Survivor Series coming up. We got the rumors of CM Punk making his return to WWE. Some idiots on social media are now starting up the rumor that FTR is going to end up joining CM Punk in WWE. None of that is going to happen. CM Punk, I do believe, is going to happen, but FTR is not going to happen. War Games, potentially. Roman Reigns is back on Friday. So things are, are, you know, they're heating up for WWE where there has been this lull with the absence of Roman Reigns for the last month and a half. But tonight was okay, man. Tonight was okay. There really isn't much to complain about. They put on a solid effort, and it was a mindless two-hour and 45-minute show. I don't know what you guys want me to tell you. Let's start with the opening match, man. Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes win the WWE Tag Team Championships from the Judgment Day, Damian Priest, and Finn Balor. A lot of people were upset. A lot of people were surprised that they pulled the trigger, including me. I wasn't really upset because I called it, but I was shocked that they actually went and did the move to put the titles on Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso. Now, does this mean that Cody Rhodes has finished his story, man? I don't know. I don't know. Cody Rhodes finally has championship gold in WWE. It's not the championship gold that he wants, but it's the championship goal that he's going to have to deal with right now, man. They are the new WWE Tag Team Champions. I don't have a problem with it. I don't. I mean, I don't really give a shit at this point what they do with the Tag Team Championships. I've been crying for them to fix the Tag Team Division for years, and nothing's ever happened. So if this is going to be a vehicle to get Cody where he needs to and to get Jey Uso where he needs to, fine. But what a lot of people are not really seeing with this decision. See, this is why I don't really mind this decision all that much. You know, I called it for the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, ever since we got the announcement on Monday Night Raw, it's been, a, it's been a week. It's been a week. Cody Rhodes basically told everybody several weeks ago that he brought Jay Uso over to Monday Night Raw and used whatever political pull he had, whatever poker chips he had left on the table, he banked them on Jay Uso. It's great. Adam Pearce comes out. And says, fine, you did what you did. I commend you. But the locker room is not happy about what you did. And there will be a trade for Jey Uso's services now that, you, that you've brought him over to Monday Night Raw. We have yet to get that situation squared away. We have not answered that question at all yet on Monday or on Friday. 
goodness, Cam G with a $100 super chat tonight. He's getting the party started on Saturday night. Cam G, what the fuck are you drinking, brother? Hey, how's it going, JD? I was there live for Fastlane as it was in my hometown, but nothing spectacular outside of the tag team title change. But it was an okay show. Much love, JD. Hashtag OTS for life. Cam G, listen, man. As long as you had a good time, brother. As long as you had a good time. Crowd was energetic tonight. And it was a very, I would say it was a good show for WWE standards. Was it premium live event? No. Now, I don't think it was premium, but it was certainly a solid effort, man. Thank you so very much. This is the type of fans we got over here, man. Cam G going to the show, leaving the show, tuning into the live stream and donating a bomb right here at the top of the hour, man. Thank you so very much to Cam G, who is undoubtedly an OTS VIP. You know, I called it on Monday. Why did they do what they did? Why did they announce Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso as the number one contenders for the tag team championships? The first thing that came to mind was maybe they're not going to do the trade. I mean, I may be the only person in the fucking community asking questions. I, I wish everybody else would get on board with me, man. I'll fucking sell you to the fucking promised land sometimes, you know? Maybe they dropped it. Now, they did bring it up. They did include that in the, pre, uh, the, the pre-match vignette that they aired before the tag team title match took place. So I, I'm assuming that's going to take place at some point. I don't know when. Nobody knows who. It could be, it could be Cody Rhodes, for all we know. Maybe they waited for this moment to happen. I don't know. But I said on Monday, the likelihood of them winning the tag team championships from the judgment day is rather slim. Now, I didn't really... I didn't really think that the Judgment Day was going to lose, but if they did, the only reason why WWE would put the title on Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso is because they want Cody and Jey Uso on SmackDown to do what they need to do in regards to their potential WrestleMania matchups with Roman Reigns and Jimmy Uso. So that's why I said... They probably end up moving Cody and Jay via the tag team titles to SmackDown because now it gives them the judgment day were over there and they were doing their thing with the tag team titles. But, you know, I don't know how much of an interest was over there with the judgment day. I mean, they spread the judgment day very thin and they got their own problems that they need to take care of on Monday Night Raw. Plus, Damian Priest still has the money in the bank briefcase. So now they got Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes over there. That's certainly going to make things interesting going forward, especially for Crown Jewel, Survivor Series, and then obviously when we start WrestleMania season. I don't see Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso losing those tag team titles, uh, at least right away. I don't see them losing those tag team championships uh, anytime soon, at least, at least until Survivor Series. So that's obviously the one staring you in the face. That's the one probability they're staring you in the face. They moved them because they have the plans in place for their individual WrestleMania matches, and them being the tag team champions gets them over to SmackDown a little bit quicker and a little bit more within the WWE logic because the tag team champions can float between brands. So that makes 
and a lot easier for Cody and Jey Uso to travel over to SmackDown and do what they need to do. The other thing is WWE is looking to really garner a, a big rating. Now, I know they're leaving Fox, but with the season premiere of Friday Night SmackDown happening this coming Friday, I look at this move as, well, they probably ended up doing that. It wasn't the reason, but I'm sure it also aided in their decision. Yeah, let's get Cody and Jey Uso over there. It's going to help with the ratings, the season premiere of SmackDown. You're going to have a big show. You're going to have all these major names. You're going to have Roman and Cody on the same show. You're going to get Jay and Jimmy back on the same show. There's going to be some tension with the bloodline. There's going to be questions that have to be answered. There's a lot going on there. So that's also a possibility of why they gave them the tag team championships tonight. Another reason why they gave them the tag team championships tonight. Also on the scale of... Not really the reason why they gave Cody and Jey Uso the tag team championships, but it's not going to hurt them, especially when they present Cody on Tuesday when he goes to NXT. Because more than likely, the reason why Cody Rhodes is going to be on NXT, and I don't know if this was in the cards all along, if WWE had this date penciled in to announce this, or maybe they just came up with it because, hey man, let's add another big name. So fuck AEW. But it gives Cody the presentation when he steps out on NXT Tuesday in front of the Performance Center crowd holding the WWE Tag Team Championships. He's certainly going to announce the return of the Men's Dusty Classic. The Men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. That's the reason why Cody Rhodes is appearing on NXT. And it gives that announcement a little bit more importance being that a Rhodes, this time in Cody, is going to announce a tag team tournament named in honor of his father. So that's going to happen on Tuesday. So it amps up or hypes up, spotlights Cody Rhodes' presentation on Tuesday night. The one reason that I am most excited for, the one reason why I'm most excited about them winning the tag team championships is because the story that it now creates on Monday Night Raw, never mind Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes going over to SmackDown. I mean, that was going to happen eventually as we got closer to WrestleMania. But the one thing that I'm excited about, if you guys remember, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have already pitched their shot. They already slid into the DMs and they took a shot and they went for it. It's exactly what they did. They said, whoever wins this match, no matter who wins this match, we want next, and we want our tag team championships back. So now we're looking at Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso potentially against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Do you realize what type of story this now creates on Monday Night Raw? Cody Rhodes is right now working with Jey Uso, and his move is proving to be correct. His intuitions are proving to be correct now. Bringing Jey Uso to Monday Night Raw, where everybody did not trust him. They have hatred for what he did in the bloodline. They don't like him. They don't want him. They don't trust him. It's making Cody Rhodes, or Jey Uso, I should say, is making Cody Rhodes look like a, a fucking steal here. It's making him look like a superstar. Hey, man, I made the right decision. Thanks for making me look good. I put my trust in you. Thank you. But what this does on the other end, 
Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn trusts Jay Uso. Sami Zayn befriends Jay Uso. Now it's potentially going to shift from Kevin Owens to Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn going to want to take this moment away from Jay Uso. Is his, I would say, friendship with Jay Uso going to be more important to him than winning back the tag team championships as long as they've beaten the Judgment Day? That's all that really should matter. Is Sami going to put that on the table and decide which is more important, my friendship with Jay or the tag team titles? We've already beaten the Judgment Day. They've already done it. Why do we need to beat them? Meanwhile, Kevin Owens wants the tag team championships back. He doesn't give a shit if it's Cody, Jay, Judgment Day. He doesn't give a shit who it's going to be. So now we have a story within a story, which makes everything that's happening on Monday Night Raw a little bit more interesting. Is Kevin Owens going to get agitated? Is Kevin Owens going to get angry with the fact that Sami Zayn may not want to do what he has to do against Jay Uso, who he deems a good friend? I don't know. Is Kevin Owens still in the camp of not trusting Jay Uso? Is he still upset with Cody Rhodes? I don't know. And remember, Randy Orton is due to come back as well. Randy Orton is due to come back any week now. He's ready. I've had people reach out to me, and my guy Andrew Bagdala has talked about it on Twitter. He's pretty confident that Randy Orton is going to be back in WWE imminently. Is Randy Orton going to have anything to say about Jey Uso teaming with Cody Rhodes? Because the one guy that Randy Orton was being beat down by while he remained out for the next, I don't know, how long, how long has he been out? He's been out for over a year. Was Jey Uso in the bloodline? How's Randy Orton going to take to that? He's got to come back to Monday Night Raw. How is he going to look at a returning Cody Rhodes for the first time and look at him as him doing the right thing? This is what you came back to do? This is what you came back to do. You're befriending this guy who put me out for a year and a half. Meanwhile, I was there for you. I got your career started. I gave you all the rub in the world to get you where you needed to be. And you're teaming with this fucking guy? Man, Monday Night Raw is about to become the best show on television as far as pro wrestling stories in WWE. There's a lot going on there. So that's why I'm okay with them winning the tag team championships. I don't really care that the judgment they lost so soon. But the tag team championships right now being on Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso are not really to enhance the tag team division. They are on them to enhance story. And when story gets enhanced, that makes me a very happy viewer. So keep in mind that the move is not to build a tag team. It's not to build a division. It's to enhance the overall story on Monday night, which it is going to do. So I am okay with that. Seth Rollins. He went one-on-one with Shinsuke Nakamura tonight. And... I was very skeptical about the match. Now, I know Nakamura can deliver. I know Rollins can deliver. We've seen it multiple times. But I was not crazy about another match. I was not. You you may feel different. You may be a big fan of Seth Rollins. You may be a big fan of Nakamura. You may not care at all. But I knew that what they were doing with Nakamura was decent stuff. 
the whole heel turn, the presentation, the subtitles within the vignettes that they have him cutting heel promos for, it's all working. It's the best presentation of Nakamura in many, many, many years. Good for him. He needed it. He needed something new. He needed something fresh away from the formulaic babyface run that they gave him for so many years. But I did question, if he goes into Fastlane and loses clean to nobody but Seth Rollins, where does Shinsuke Nakamura go from there? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. The way I look at it, if he wins, he's the world champion. And everything is working to what Nakamura needs to do. They trusted him enough and put enough trust in him to give him the world championship, and they're happy with the body of work that he's done transforming himself into this baby face that we see today. If he loses, it's pretty much dead in the water. Now I ask, after tonight's outcome, where he lost clean to nobody but Seth Rollins, he did not win the world championship, where does Shinsuke Nakamura go now? I don't know. Some of you told me on Twitter, Shinsuke's dead. Shinsuke should just call it quits. Shinsuke should hang up the boots. Call it a day. It's going to be very difficult to rebuild Shinsuke Nakamura up into the vicious heel that he was for the last seven, eight weeks. The best of his work came in the last two to three weeks before Fastlane. Now where do they go? They got nowhere to go. They were a race car on the Indy 500 circuit crashing into a fucking wall. Car went up in flames. That's Shinsuke Nakamura's heel turn and heel run right now. It went up in flames with this loss to Seth Rollins tonight. How many of you in the chat are going to care about Shinsuke Nakamura at the end of this night? I know I'm not. Everything that he said, all the promises he made about Seth's back and how vicious he is and how he's going to take everything away from him and how he's going to embarrass him. He ends up losing to a guy who's got a back that is fucking failing. Where Michael Cole on commentary tonight said, Seth Rollins' back is hanging on by a thread. That's the guy Nakamura couldn't beat. Great. Where do we go from here? Right back to catering. That's where Nakamura goes. On the flip side, Shinsuke Nakamura... He may be dead, but Rollins, it looks like they're building a story from within his title reign. That's been the narrative for the last couple of weeks. He's mentioned his back. He's mentioned how his back is not doing great. Michael Cole makes mention of it on commentary. He was pleading with Rollins on commentary tonight to just give up, basically give the match and the title to Shinsuke Nakamura. Looks like the story is going to be With every title defense, how long is Seth Rollins going to be able to continue this rate? Or at this rate, at this pace? That's exactly what they're doing. It kind of reminds me what AEW did with Orange Cassidy. Because that was his storyline. The International Championship, though, never really had a true story regarding who he defended the championship against. The story of the International Championship with Orange Cassidy's title reign was... How many defenses can Orange Cassidy make before his body breaks down? His body and his winning streak and the fact that he was crumbling right before our very eyes was the storyline for the international championship. It looks like that's going to be the same thing with the 
World Heavyweight Championship on Monday Night Raw. And it's clear as day who he should come face to face with. It's clear as day who should break that back once and for all and send Seth Rollins to the fucking medical facility. And that is Gunther. WrestleMania. Gunther, Seth Rollins, World Championship, WrestleMania, and Gunther's the new world champion. But from what I see, it looks like Rollins will be the world champion and he will be building a story about how long his back is going to be able to hang on. But at the end of the night, it started slow. The world title match wasn't anything special up until about the last, I would say, they went a good 50%, kind of teetering on the level of boredom. Then the crowd woke up. As soon as they started to pick it up into the next gear, uh, everything seemed to kind of fall into place, and they, they ended up delivering a decent world championship match. Was it better than their last match? Yes, it was. Last men standing matches tend to be very violent. They tend to be brutal, and they tend to be entertaining. So the last man standing stipulation actually helped them out tremendously. But at the end of the night, you may have found it to be boring. You may have not liked the outcome. At the end of the night, both guys ended up delivering what I thought was a very good main event to a very good fast line. Is it something that's going to be remembered for years and years to come? No. Absolutely not. I'm actually quite tired of Seth Rollins, to be quite honest with you. I love Seth Rollins as an in-ring performer. I think he's fucking great. But as a champion, it's not difficult to see why fans and people are kind of waning on Seth Rollins. The overabundance of fans singing his theme and the goofy outfits and the not-so-spectacular promos where he doesn't sound like a true champion... All of this mixed together is going to give off a vibe and a presentation that fans would rather see somebody else in that role instead of Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins seemingly goes through the same phases every single time he wins a major championship. Fans love him in the chase. He wins the championship. He starts off great, and then he just slips into nothingness. It's like you're watching an airplane just fucking nosedive into a goddamn fucking river. I don't know, man. It may not be that dramatic, but Rollins really isn't as exciting of a world champion now than he was when he first won the championship. Maybe people are ready to see Gunther or somebody a little bit more serious in that role. I know I am. I know a lot of people are mentioning CM Punk. Maybe CM Punk and all the clues and innuendos dropped on WWE TV lately. Maybe they lead to a Seth Rollins versus CM Punk match at Survivor Series. Hell, maybe it's even the WrestleMania main event on night one. Seth Rollins versus CM Punk for the World Heavyweight Championship. I don't know if I would go that far because Seth Rollins and CM Punk, though it sounds very attractive, I am not going to sway my creative away from Gunther. Let's not start bringing in CM Punk because he's CM Punk and taking away from what is the very best part of WWE television right now, and that is the ring general. I think we should stick with the plan. Monday Night Raw would be better off for it with him as champion at the top leading the show. It would. Is it going to be a ratings juggernaut? No. Monday Night Raw is not slated to be a ratings juggernaut. But what I want on Monday night is fucking pro wrestling. 
And if that's what we get with him as champion, you ain't going to hear a peep out of me. But Rollins right now ain't doing it. He's not clicking his champion. He's not clicking with the fans. You know, the reactions may tell otherwise. Fans love him. They love singing his song. But from the reactions I get on social media, because I'm not in the arena, I see what people are saying on social media. I get the vibe from you guys. Rollins is not cutting it as champion. People want to move on from this title reign. But at the end of the night, they had a decent match. And I guess we have to give them that. John Cena returns in ring with LA Knight against the Bloodline. Roman's not going to be very happy with that one. The ladies put on a damn good triple threat match. Thought it was a better triple threat match than the one we got at SummerSlam. But I still don't care about the women's division on SmackDown. And believe it or not, Charlotte got pinned. Oh my goodness. And then we get Carlito. He is back in WWE. Happy to see Carlito Cool back in WWE. He looks great. He teamed with the LWO. And he aided in the LWO getting a victory here tonight at Fastlane against Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. Thank you guys for joining me on this Saturday night, man. We're going to get into the breakdown of this show. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. I'd love if you guys hit that thumbs up, man. We got 2,200 plus in here, nearing 2,300 in the venue tonight. I'd love to see 1,000 likes on tonight's Fast Lane post show right here on OTS. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. All the rumors about CM Punk joining WWE, man. I talked about it this afternoon. 25 minutes plus OTS Extra. Go check it out. Lots of great discussion to come out of that video. If you missed it, it's up there on the homepage for you. If you need more content from the channel, I'll have more extra up tomorrow. To finish off the week of news before we start a brand new week. Did I watch Collision? How the fuck am I going to watch Collision when I was watching Fastlane? Stop asking me about Collision. I'm not talking about Collision. I'm talking about Fastlane. Tonight's show sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com, code script 20. Make sure you guys go out and get yourself the new performance package 4.0. Join the 9 million men worldwide that use Manscaped and save 20% plus free shipping. Manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout. Yes, FTR lost the titles. I am aware. FTR lost the tag team titles. I am aware. That they lost the tag team titles. Nobody knows why. Going rumor right now is that Cash Wheeler is hurt. There's one team in the world of pro wrestling that deserves a fucking rest. 
It's FTR. And to be quite honest with you, I wasn't really feeling another FTR versus Young Bucks match at fucking full gear. So we'll see what happens there. Let's start with the pre-show, man. Nothing happened on the pre-show. But we did get a glimpse of Jade Cargill making her way into the building tonight for Fastlane. This was the only time we saw Jade Cargill. She looks very similar to what she looked like in AEW. She looks obviously phenomenal, in phenomenal shape. She gets out of a limo. She hops out. She's in her wrestling gear. And she shakes hands and meets with Triple H as Triple H walks her into the arena tonight before the start of the show. That was basically it. She mouthed it off and you could read her lips and she said that she's happy to be here. She's excited to be here and blah, 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 blah. Now, the going rumor is that she will be on the Raw brand moving forward. When will that happen? I don't know. We could very well see her on Monday. We could very well see her on Monday. I would like to know that WWE maybe announces her ahead of time that she's going to be making her in-ring debut so people can tune into that when it actually does happen. We could see her on Monday, or we could maybe see her for the season premiere of Raw. Friday is, this coming Friday, that is, is the season premiere for SmackDown. And the following week will be the season premiere of Raw. So we will see what happens there. But she was in her wrestling gear She didn't make an appearance on tonight's show. She didn't interfere in the women's match. She didn't sit in on commentary. She wasn't shown on camera during the show, but she was in her ring gear. So I'm assuming that they were probably doing a photo shoot of some sort, or maybe she was doing some extra content that will be filmed to be uploaded at a later date. I don't know. I don't know. But she was there, and she got the first taste of being at a WWE PLE. Fastlane started off with the Tag Team Championships. Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso defeated the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest, to win the WWE Tag Team titles. I thought the match was great. I thought it was a great tag team match. Which, uh, you know, it's not really surprising when you look at the Judgment Day, man. The Judgment Day is a very... You know, I love all the members of Judgment Day. I do in in their own ways. But when the Judgment Day is put in these types of situations to have big matches, they do not disappoint. They don't. WWE took a lot of time to make this feel big. They, I don't think they started the show up until about 8.16, 8.17 Eastern time. We got a long, drawn-out video package with Pat McAfee to start the show. We got a video package highlighting this feud and how Cody got to bring Jay to Raw and what the problems are with the Judgment Day. So they basically had an entire video package to get you caught up on everything that happened before this match took place and why this match took place. Then we got the intros. Jay's doing his Uso. Cody's doing his Whoa! And the Judgment Day's coming out taking this sweet-ass time. So by the time everybody got in the ring and the formal ring announcements were made, it's about 8.20. It's crazy. It's what happens when there's five fucking matches on a PLE, man. You have the liberty to do what you want. But at the end, this was a great match. Judgment Day puts on bangers in big situations. That's how good they are. Now, I didn't expect the title change. Was I surprised by one? Sure. 
just because of the nature of Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso as a tag team. I mean, they basically handed them a tag team title match on Monday. And then they win the title on Saturday. Do I hate it? No, I talked about all the reasons why I don't hate it. I actually embrace it. I think it's a good move. Talked about that in the beginning of the show tonight. But I did not expect the title change. Now, when I did see the title change, obviously a light bulb went off in my head, just like everybody else on social media. With Damian Priest losing his tag team titles, does that mean that Damian Priest is going to probably cash in his money in the bank briefcase and try and win the World Heavyweight Championship so he's not a complete loser tonight? That would have been quite the gamble. Judgment Day talked him out of it. They didn't want him cashing in tonight after this loss because he got kayfabe injured in this match tonight, and he wasn't going to be 100% if he wanted to cash in on Seth Rollins at the end of his match with Nakamura. But I did think, all right, well, they lost the tag team titles. Maybe there is going to be more tease or more tension with the Judgment Day split. Maybe he goes and cashes in tonight because he lost these sets of titles to Cody and Jay. I don't know. I don't know. But the match was great. The match was great. Now, J.D. McDonough, the fake... J.D., by the way, the fake J.D., he cost Judgment Day the match. So I don't know what's going to happen there. When Priest watches the replay back, he wasn't initially displeased about it tonight. Well, we didn't see J.D. McDonough after this, but they were all sitting together as if he was part of the group at the end of the match, and they were all looking at Cody and Jey Uso celebrating with their tag team championships. I don't know if that's going to come into play on Monday because J.D. McDonough fucked up. He hit Damian Priest with the briefcase accidentally, and he could be blamed for the judgment day losing the tag team championships tonight to Cody and Jey Uso. So we got some story coming out of this, even with the judgment day. He should realistically be out for blood, and he has been the one who has not wanted J.D. McDonough in the judgment day for this very reason. So this may actually be what gets... Damian Priest kicked out of the Judgment Day. So Uso and Priest started the match. Priest powered Jay Uso, or overpowered, I should say, Jay Uso. And he made a tag to Cody Rhodes, did Jay Uso. Quickly, not too long into the match, he tags Cody. And Cody came into the match. He focused on Damian Priest's legs like the old school vet that Cody Rhodes is. He tagged Uso back in. Priest made a tag to Balor, and he used his size and strength after Rhodes and Uso have been showing some nice tag team continuity. You would never think that they were the, you know, these two guys were teaming together for the first time. You'd never think it. They were using their speed and their agility and making quick tags and double team moves. They were doing the thing out there. So Cody, focusing on the leg, Priest made the tag to Balor. And Rhodes and Uso had some great chemistry in there. And then all of a sudden, the champions started taking over, making some nice tags back and forth, grounding Uso. Uso was being beat up by the Judgment Day for a good portion of this match, just beating him down, beating him down. They really wanted to tease that hot tag to Cody Rhodes. So Rhodes was becoming frustrated on the apron at this point because Jay Uso was in no position to make a tag to him at all for several minutes. So Damian Priest actually messed up. 
he made a misstep while handling Jay Uso. Jay Uso was able to break free and make the hot tag to Cody. So Cody comes back, he fires up, he's getting all the baby face spots in. He took out Balor with the disaster kick and he went for a quick cover, got a two count. Balor then would come back and he would go to the top rope for his coup de grace. But Cody caught him and nailed a massive delayed vertical suplex. So imagine Balor going up top. He took a little bit too long to hit the coup de grace. Cody laying on his back in the landing zone. He gets up, climbs to the top rope. He muscles Balor up, vertical suplex. He's letting all the blood rush to the head on the top rope. Backwards they go, big superplex. Rhodes tags in Uso again. Balor was able to make the tag to Priest. So they come in, and it's Uso and Priest going back and forth. Priest attempted to land a razor's edge on Jey Uso. He escaped. He nailed Balor and Priest on the outside with a dive through the ropes. So back inside the ring we go. Priest was down and in the middle of the ring. Uso went up top. He landed the Uso splash. But Balor was able to make the save before Rhodes nailed him with a Cody cutter. Now we got Uso and Priest back in the ring. Jay nailed Damian Priest with a massive spear. And they called it out. Jay Uso taking a page and trying to become his own tribal chief. He's using Roman Reigns' finish. So he hits the spear. He couldn't capitalize because Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley finally made their way out to ringside. Uso laid out Mysterio. Ripley got in his face. There was a confrontation between Rhea and Jay Uso. Back in the ring, Priest nailed Uso because he was distracted by Rhea. With a hurrying Karana, Balor followed up with a coup de grace. Rhodes jumps in and makes the save because there was a two count in progress and Cody broke up the pin. All of a sudden, both teams are battling each other. J.D. McDonough arrived at ringside and this is where everything just broke down. Ripley nailed Uso with a briefcase, but Balor could only land a two count and could not believe that he kicked out. Priest and Rhodes battled on the outside of the ring. Damian Priest attempted to put him through the announce table. All of a sudden, McDonough grabs the briefcase and accidentally nailed Priest in the face with the briefcase. Rhodes in the ring follows up with a crossroads, wiping out Priest. Balor's now two-on-one against Cody and Jay Uso. Rhodes is in the ring with Jay. Cody nailed Balor with a crossroads, and that was basically it. Before that, they did a great double-team finish. I don't know what it was. It looked like the 1D, but with Jay doing his portion of the 1D, up in the air goes Balor. Cody comes off the second rope with a springboard cutter backwards. Looked great. It really looked great. At the end of that, he picked him up. Crossroads, one, two, three. We got new tag team champions. And Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso are your new WWE tag team champions. That's it. He hit Priest on the leg. I'm sorry, he hit Priest. Whatever, he hit Priest. Jesus fucking Christ. Leg, face, head, whatever. He hit Priest. Hit him with the briefcase and the finish of Cody... And Jay Uso looked fucking beautiful, man. Absolutely beautiful. And we got new tag team champions. And that's all she wrote. At the end of the match, they all looked on as Cody and Jay Uso celebrated. 
And that is the first match open of Fastlane. I like it. I like it. I thought this was a great match, a great way to open the show. Started the show off hot. Crowd loved every bit of it. Judgment Day continued to deliver in big matches on PLEs. Cody Rhodes gets his first taste of championship gold in WWE. Jay Uso, I don't know if Jay Uso has ever won the tag team championships with anybody but his brother. So I wonder what that is going to mean for the rest of his family. I wonder if that's going to come into play. I don't know. A lot of interesting directions here, man. A lot of interesting directions. But I enjoyed this. I think there's more upside to Jay and Cody being the tag team champions right now than the Judgment Day. The Judgment Day don't need the tag team championships because their story is about staying together and operating together. That's what's going to make that story interesting. Now that they don't have the tag team championships, it makes it all that much more interesting. Plus, you add in J.D. McDonough, who wants to be in the Judgment Day. Damian Priest doesn't want him there. All he's had to do is, is listen to Balor and listen to Rhea. And Dominic does nothing. He just sits there. He has not wanted J.D. McDonough in the Judgment Day. Now, after he hit him accidentally tonight with the briefcase, I wonder if that's going to come into play. Then you got the situation with Cody and Jey Uso being the tag team champions, what that's going to mean for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Then you got Damian Priest in the briefcase. How is that going to factor into teasing even more tension to break up the Judgment Day? I don't know. I have no clue what's going on, but there is a lot of potential story, man. There's a lot of open-endedness in a lot of these things, and I like it. WWE can... You know, they, they've left the scripts wide open. They left a lot of blank spots in between these stories, man. And it's up to them to write what is best for each of these stories. And I hope that they do. I hope that, that, that they do. Because this is why I am more prone to watching Monday night and enjoying Monday night lately than I am to Friday. It's just Monday night to me is a little bit more substantial. Yes, it's three hours. Yes, it's too long. Yes, I prefer SmackDown at two hours. We're in and out. Goodbye. But at the end of the night, I feel more creatively satisfied watching Raw than I do SmackDown. I said this on social media today. It's like SmackDown is an open can of Hunt's pasta sauce or ragu. I don't know who uses ragu, man. I mean, ragu is fucking nasty. It's not... I don't think I've ever bought ragu willingly off the store shelves, man. But my point is, it's plain pasta sauce. Then you end up cooking the pasta, and then you warm up the pasta sauce that you got out of the jar or the can, and you pour that shit over your pasta. No cheese, no pepper, no onion, no garlic, no herbs, no oregano, no parsley, nothing. It's like you are serving unspiced sauce. That's what I get when I watch SmackDown. Now, on Monday Night Raw, at least they're keeping my interest. At least they're attempting to flavor that pasta sauce with a couple of spices, man. Monday Night Raw doesn't taste like it just came out of the fucking store and you open the jar of plain red tomato sauce. So I'm enjoying Monday Night Raw a little bit more than I am SmackDown. And I think with this... It actually lends to Monday Night Raw being just a little bit more interesting than it already has been. So I am all for it. 
Backstage, Booker T, he was with Wade Barrett and Xavier Woods comes and interrupts. Now, I don't know what they were doing here, but then we quickly got an advertisement for fucking Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. All this was was an advertisement for shit pizza because WWE has to get their advertising funds in, man. It wouldn't be a WWE PLE without WWE shilling something. So we got Pizza Hut here on Fastlane, and Xavier Woods, he wanted to order pizza. Barrett looked like he was going to chew out Woods, but instead played him. I got some bad news, says Wade Barrett. He brought that back tonight. Love it. Love bad news, Barrett. And he then said, oh, yeah, I'm fine with Pizza Hut. Tonight's event is being sponsored by Pizza Hut. Great. Papa John's, Domino's, Pizza Hut. Why are you guys not ordering real pizza? Why are you guys not going to a legit pizzeria and ordering pizza? That's shit. Stop. Seriously. That's like Jesse telling me fucking deep dish pizza is better than New York City pizza. No. No. And Larry's a handsome dog, Jesse. Fight me. Fight me, clown. Okay? You're going to hear a lot more about Larry come November. Should have bought that fucking Larry AEW shirt when I had the chance. Now I can't. LWO. Rey Mysterio and the sensational Santos Escobar. Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. This was a two-on-three matchup, which I didn't really understand. It's kind of a lame way for WWE to map this one out. Now, hear me out. I think Carlito is fucking great. I'm a big Carlito guy. I think him being back in the WWE is a great move. He looks fucking great. He can talk. He can wrestle. He's going to get in there and do great things on SmackDown. I love it. I love it. Now, the thing with Carlito is on Friday, this was legitimately last night, Rey Mysterio, everybody thought Rey Mysterio was going to get Dragon Lee to be a part of the LWO. Dragon Lee was not the man. Dragon Lee could have been the guy, but they opted to go in a different direction. Dragon Lee has got his hands full with Austin Theory and Grayson Waller right now. And they actually included Cameron Grimes, who helped him win his debut match on Friday Night SmackDown. Good. So without Dragon Lee in the mix, I said on Friday Night SmackDown that the partner tonight, basically pretty easy to predict who it's going to be, man. He's got great-looking hair. He's cool. He's from Puerto Rico, and he's in amazing shape. Carlito. Carlito Cool is back. Rey Mysterio during the show said, I got someone. Let me go make a phone call and see what's up. Now, Rey Mysterio on Friday made the phone call. I'm assuming that a phone call was made right then and there after that segment. And if Carlito didn't pick up, he left a fucking voice message. Carlito did not come out with the LWO and the LWO got their asses handed to them for a good eight or nine minutes before Carlito decided to show up and say, you know what, Ray, that phone call, you know, I I think I'll take you up on that offer. 
So they waited for Carlito to make his debut eight minutes into the match when Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio were fighting for their fucking life in there against Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. Kind of silly. Don't, don't you think if Rey Mysterio made the fucking phone call that Carlito said, you know what? I like it. Let's do it. I'll meet you at the venue. They get ready together. They share a locker room together. They get dressed together. And then they go out there together as the LWO. Nah, you know what? I'll, just, I'll show up what I want, man. I'll, I'll think about it. Kind of silly, man. Unless they explain why he showed up late. Did he have a reason why he showed up late? Was his Uber late on getting to the arena? Did he miss his flight and had to take a later flight? I don't know. I don't know. But it's kind of weird that they sent him out there basically when the match was nearing completion. Just found it a little weird. Escobar made his entrance with Vega. Vega had a microphone in her hand. I don't know what the problem was, man. I thought she was going to announce Carlito coming out with him. Looked like she had a microphone in her hand, and she said nothing. So they make their way to the ring. The bell rings, and this is a two-on-three match to start. Escobar and Montez began the match. Both men looked to gain momentum for their team. He was even making fun at the LWO. Ha, 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 look, it's two on three. Like, they're going to stand the chance. So Escobar's in control. He followed up some offense with a standing Hurricane Rana, and both men then found themselves on the top turnbuckle. Ford followed with a chop lock. Lashley made his way into the match, and he dominated legitimately, no pun intended. Escobar made the tag to Mysterio, and Rey Mysterio was getting his ass handed to him just like he was on SmackDown Friday night. And the Profits were a part of this thing, three-on-one beating Mysterio down. Now, Rey tried to make a comeback as Montez yanked Escobar off the apron, which prompted Vega to get involved, and she gave Montez Ford a Meteora on the outside. So, Vega... Takes out Montez. This was behind the referee's back. Otherwise, the LWO would have been disqualified. All of a sudden, with Mysterio out, laying in the middle of the ring, Carlito makes his way out. He runs out. He ran down. He jumped on the ring apron. He reached his arm out, and Mysterio quickly made the tag. And in comes Carlito. Chance of Carlito. Fans knew who he was instantly. He didn't have that same theme music. They gave him new theme music, which I don't know why they did. Because the new theme does not hit like the old one does. It's not even anywhere close. Why do we change and mess with things that don't need to be fixed? I don't get it. The only thing I could think of about why the old theme wasn't used is because it's a Jim Johnston song and they don't use Jim Johnston's music anymore. I don't get it. So pay for the fucking rights to the music. How much could it be? How much could Jim Johnston be asking for? Got to change Carlito's music, which is one of the most recognizable themes of the modern era, and you want to change it to something else that sounds fucking terrible. I don't think the WWE grasps how important theme music is. For some of their superstars, they realize it. They got fucking geeks singing Rollins and they sing Cody and everything else. But when it comes to someone like Carlito and, for example, Johnny Gargano, who desperately needs the old rebel heart back 
which I know they have access to because they gave Sami Zayn his fucking music back. What are we doing? Get on board with getting people legit theme music to enhance the overall presentation of their ring entrance. Please. Mysterio and Escobar interfered while Carlito looked great. Ford was stunned that Carlito was back. And Carlito did some offense in there. He eventually nailed his patented backstabber to pick up a big win for the LWO. Carlito was in there basically for about 90 seconds. Did some offense back and forth, and he ended up winning with a great-looking backstabber on Montez. Street Profits end up losing. Bobby Lashley is probably seething. And Carlito is now on SmackDown, I presume, in the LWO. He's not Mexican, but he's going to be operating alongside the LWO. Great. I think it's going to be great that he's back, man. I'm happy he's back. I think he looks he looks fucking phenomenal. He does. And I think he could add a lot on Friday night. I can't wait to see what WWE does with him. It makes me wonder why they waited so long to get him involved. The only thing I could think of, man, the only thing I could really think of, and there is a news article on Fightful about why Johnny Gargano made his return on Monday. He wasn't injured. The WWE creative team basically had nothing for Johnny Gargano. I find that very difficult to believe, being that he was brought back by Triple H, and that's all you need to know about who's running the show there. Triple H would not keep a healthy Johnny Gargano on te- off of television and bring him back for the first time since April. I don't get it. I mean, the guy was jobbing to Omos at house shows. No, but Triple H is still running the show. You don't think Vince McMahon rained down demands? I don't want that guy on TV, pal. Why not? Who kept him off TV? Triple H didn't keep him off TV. Vince McMahon kept him off TV. Who kept Carlito off TV? Wasn't Triple H. Triple H was the one who brought him back. Vince McMahon kept Carlito off TV. You mean to tell me you couldn't find anything creatively for Carlito on Friday night? Took you all this time. He's been signed since June. Give me a break. I'm glad he's back. Hopefully they got something for him on Friday night. Jade Cargill. We talked about Jade arriving to Fastlane. And again, she didn't really do much of anything on the show. She was basically there. You got a glimpse of what her wrestling gear is going to look like, and she shook hands with Triple H. And that is the last we saw of Jade Cargill. Women's Championship. EO Sky against Charlotte Flair and Asuka. Triple threat match here for the WWE Women's Championship. I didn't really expect... Much out of this. I expected a decent match here for the ladies, but I didn't really expect me to care too much about this. And at the end of the night, though the ladies put on a very good triple threat match, and the right outcome was given to us tonight, that doesn't mean I changed my mind on what I've seen coming into the pay-per-view. The WWE Women's Division on Friday night is still very weak. There's nothing interesting coming out of that division. 
There's nothing exciting coming out of that division. WWE is going with their tried and true, the same old shit over and over again. Charlotte, Bianca, Asuka, Bailey, and we finally got EO breaking out, showing what she can actually do as the women's champion. Is Kyrie Sane coming back? That's the next rumor. Kyrie's finished up in finished up in Japan. She's not going to be brought back at all until maybe Survivor Series. I have no idea. No idea what WWE is going to end up doing with Kyrie Sane, but the rumor is that she's on her way back to the states and on her way back to WWE. That would be another great addition to the women's division on Friday night. What they do with her, I don't know. But WWE has not been lighting the world on fire with their women's storylines and their women's division on Friday night. It's the same cast of characters. Nothing new. Stories aren't interesting. There's nothing to invest your time in. There's nothing to sink your teeth into. It's basically WWE biding their time until they decide to give Charlotte the women's championship so that she could walk into WrestleMania and defend that title against Bianca Belair. Or worst case scenario, Jade Cargill. Because that's still a possibility. You don't think Jade's going to have a WrestleMania match this year? Of course she is. You don't think WWE's going to strap a fucking rocket and zip her off to the fucking moon? Of course they are. So don't sleep on Jade Cargill. She could easily win the Royal Rumble if WWE wants to make a fucking impact. I ain't ready for that, and neither are you, and neither is she. This was a great match. Crowd was a little quiet, but they ended up perking up at the end. Sky out there with damage control. Flair. Apparently, Asuka misted Charlotte Flair in the face, and she rolled out of the ring, and she was being attended to by officials. I wish that she would have remained outside for the duration of this match. We didn't need her. An EO versus Oscar match is more than enough to satisfy the appetites of all the pro wrestling fans out there. It's something that I think a lot of people would love to see. A rematch. A longer rematch with two of the best in the world going at it. Now, as Charlotte's being attended to, it became a singles match for a little bit with EO and Oscar. Both women were down. Flair re-entered the match and landed a massive boot right to the face of both. EO, she's in there. She regained control. Flair was on the outside. Sky and Asuka, they were focused on each other. They got rid of Charlotte for the time being. Again, they focused on each other. Flair climbed the top rope, landed a nice-looking crossbody on both women, and then she mentioned the title. She motioned for the title around her waist. Keep dreaming, honey. Keep dreaming. Nobody wants to see you as the women's champion. So Flair followed up with a chop fest. Yeah, because all the geeks got to do the the Ric Flair. Woo! Tell me again how Charlotte built her legacy? Oh, yeah, that's right, off of her father. Why is she the greatest of all time? Because she's basically her father. Basically. So Charlotte's in there. Couple of chops. And... Things are really picking up here. She landed a double suplex on both Asuka and Io. Flair looking to win the match at this point. And Sky says, nah, nah, bitch. She looked to pick up the win after landing a nice little springboard sunset flip 
And then the action finally spilled to the outside. All three women hit big moves to the outside with uh, Flair obviously setting up for her terrible-looking moonsault. And I will be fair because that's what I do here, bro. I'm not unfair. I call it right down the middle, man. Right down the middle, always. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's blah, it's blah. But EO goes up for a moonsault, a springboard moonsault, and she misses Asuka completely. Looked terrible. If she grazed Asuka with her fucking fingertips, she was lucky. EO's moonsault looked good in execution, but it was awful coming down. Now, Charlotte goes to the top rope, and nine times out of ten, her moonsault is fucking awful. It's not even good looking. But I will say, on this night, Charlotte had a better top rope moonsault than EO Sky. Just for tonight. Charlotte actually connected on her her moonsault. Believe it or not, EO did not. Now, if you ask me who has the best moonsault in WWE's women's division, I'm going with Miss Stratton. Her moonsault is fucking beautiful. And don't at me. Tiffany Stratton's got the best moonsault in WWE. So, she goes up for the moonsault. Flair attempted to go to the top successfully one more time. She was caught by EO Sky. Flair managed to get Sky up on her shoulders and she looked to land an avalanche full away slam. Asuka caught both women and nailed a massive powerbomb. And Asuka, with the powerbomb... On Charlotte, Charlotte had EO up in a fallaway slam position, and she flips EO over in the fallaway slam. So we get a powerbomb, fallaway slam, avalanche combo by all three women. Nicely done. Asuka attempted to get pins on both ladies and only got a two count. Asuka attempted to start using some submissions. Flair was the recipient of this, but Charlotte countered Asuka's submissions into a figure eight. EO nailed Flair with a Meteora while she was in the figure eight. Nicely done. Both Sky and Asuka then locked on multiple submissions on Flair, but Charlotte would not give up. Asuka followed up by attacking EO. Flair recovered. She nailed Asuka with a spear only to get a two count. Bailey then made her way to ringside as EO was arguing with her. She doesn't want anything to do with Bailey. She wants Bailey to stop interfering in her business. Because she feels like Bailey's going to fucking ruin her chances of retaining the title. So they ended up arguing. Flair nailed EO with a boot to the face. Asuka attempted to come back here on Flair. Couldn't get the victory. And then found herself trapped in a figure eight. And Sky was nowhere to be found. I'm like, oh God, are they really going to give the android the women's championship? Bailey jumped on the apron to distract the referee again as Asuka was tapping out. You could see Asuka tapping out to Charlotte. Thank God the referee didn't see it. Sky out of nowhere nailed Flair with her over the moonsault while she had Asuka in the figure eight. She shoved Asuka out of the way. And what I thought was the most surprising outcome of the entire show, EO pins Charlotte Flair. And retains the WWE Women's Championship. I know. It's fucking crazy. I know, man. I know!
holy shit. Man, oh man, I, uh, I'll be the first to tell you, man, I was wrong. I was wrong. On Friday, I said, well, Asuka is only in this match because she's taking the pin. WWE had that tag team that tag team match on Friday night. Asuka team with Charlotte, right? You know, the typical Vince McMahon uh, $1.99 special. Can they coexist, pal? Right? So I'm like, all right. They're teaming up. EO's the champion. Who's taking the pinfall here? Clearly, Bailey was. Bailey can't win a fucking match to save her life, man. So Bailey last night, I figured Oscar was going to take the pinfall here tonight. Charlotte took the pinfall. I have no problem with that at all. I think that's fucking great. I think that's awesome. More of that, please. I'd love to see more of that on a weekly basis. Charlotte losing matches? Great. Great. After the match, Sky and Bailey hugged. Celebrating Eo's victory, and the ladies put on a very good triple threat match with obviously the right outcome. Eo should not be losing that championship anytime soon. Now, I don't want her in damage control. I honestly think that she will be removed from damage control. She will leave damage control when she loses the championship, but I don't want that day to come so soon. I want Eo to continue her title reign. It's up to WWE to make it meaningful. I don't think that they have the resources or really care to make it meaningful. But she wins tonight, and she pins the dreaded android. Love it. L.A. Knight. He was shown arriving in the arena driving a Slim Jim race car. I don't know who wants to be driving that around Indianapolis. Certainly not me. Still waiting for my Mustang Dark Horse to get built. When and where, Ford? I don't know. But if it's after the winter time, I'll be all right, man. I ain't driving that shit in the fucking winter time. I actually want to enjoy it. Hopefully next year. Already pre-ordered. Love it. LA Knight. Him and his Slim Jim race car with John Cena against the Bloodline. Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. Obviously, it's still great to see John Cena wrestling In 2023, it's great to see John Cena back on WWE television. It's great to see LA Knight getting this spotlight, getting put over. John Cena putting him over, Paul Heyman putting him over. It's great to see LA Knight the way we see him. Because last year, LA Knight was on his way to being fired and future endeavored. No doubt about it. Man wanted to quit. They turned this guy into a fucking maximum male model named Max Dupree. No, he's not Max Dupree. He's L.A. Knight. Look at what happened when they dropped the dead weight, changed his name back to what Triple H gave him in NXT, and let the man go out there on television and sell us his personality. He's more over than Cody Rhodes right now. Fact. L.A. Knight is the most popular babyface in the entire company. Bigger than Cody and bigger than Seth Rollins. Don't at me. Teaming with John Cena was probably a career highlight for him. Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa, there are questions that need to be answered on Friday. I have not been invested in Jimmy Uso's story. I don't care. I'm more interested in Jey Uso's story. On Monday night. Now, 
especially that he's tag team champions with Cody Rhodes. But I said this on Friday. Roman, I don't know what he's been doing for the last month and a half, two months. But this man better show up with a fucking notebook and a bunch of questions with a bunch of answers. That's what he needs to do. What does he think of John Cena meddling in bloodline business? What does he think of LA Knight meddling in bloodline business? What does he think of Jimmy Uso, who super kicked Roman and didn't want to be a part of the bloodline? What is he going to do? Is he going to welcome Jimmy back or is he going to kick him out of the bloodline? Is he going to pretend like nothing happened? Is he going to pretend his cousin is in the bloodline and not really say anything about it? After we clearly heard him say he does not want to be in the bloodline, he would rather side with his brother Jay. Is Roman going to say anything about Paul Heyman and his gray hair? And why Paul Heyman seemingly has just let it go. I'm assuming it's okay if Paul Heyman's on the fucking phone with Roman Reigns every fucking week. What about the bloodline and the judgment day? Are we going to get a reason for them joining forces? Sure, Roman's got to dive into that very important question. Why did you authorize a joint unification or a joint unity of the bloodline and the judgment day? What is that for? What are you afraid of? A lot of questions need to be answered. Are we going to get all those answers? I don't know. I don't know. I certainly hope so. Before the match, we got Pat McAfee, who is obviously from Indianapolis. He played for the Indianapolis Colts. He's most known here. So they sent him out wearing one of WWE's uh, football world championships that you can order off WWE shop, one of their legacy titles which is obviously a great marketing scheme. Good on WWE for sending them out there with that. Some people probably didn't even realize that those were a thing. Now you know. Now you know. So he's out there. He gets a big reaction, and he sits on commentary with Corey Graves and Michael Cole. uh, Pat McAfee put over the city of Indianapolis, the fans in attendance, and said Indianapolis deserves a WrestleMania. Every city deserves a WrestleMania now, huh? First, you got John Cena going out in London saying that let's bring WrestleMania to London. Now you got Pat McAfee saying let's bring Indianapolis to WrestleMania. Sure thing, pal. Get in line. Get in line. How much is Indianapolis going to pay Nick Khan to bring WrestleMania to wherever the Colts play? So he sits on commentary, and the match starts with Cena. If I told you this match went over 20 minutes and most of it was John Cena being beaten up, 15, 16 minutes of this thing, John Cena was being beat up. That was basically it. He makes the hot tag to LA Knight. They teased hot tags being made throughout the evening on three different occasions. Solo beat him up. Jay beat him up. L.A. Knight got in there, and he got the hot tag, and then he ran wild, and he ended up winning the match for the babyface team. That's basically it. They made John Cena suffer. Nothing of note happened here. Nothing important happened here. Nothing big happened here. But I will say this in regards to John Cena. I actually enjoyed this match more than what I saw John Cena do at WrestleMania with Austin Theory. 
I thought this was better. I thought John Cena looked better here than he did in WrestleMania with Austin Theory. Now, John Cena said at the post-show media scrum with all of the fucking geeks that the WWE brings into these media scrums, John Cena said that as soon as Hollywood gets back up and running, he's gone. He's going right back to Hollywood. I don't know how long WWE has John Cena. I don't know how long he even wants to be here or what his commitments are going to be. Maybe they get him through Crown Jewel and that's it. Maybe Survivor Series. John Cena does not see past Survivor Series. And I'm pushing it. He may be gone before that. He may be gone after Saudi. But I will say this. John Cena looked better here than he looked at WrestleMania. And that says a lot because he looked terrible at WrestleMania. He looked like a guy that didn't even want to be there. He looked like a guy that did not want to wrestle at WrestleMania. He looked good here. Even though he was getting beat up, he looked good. He looked energized. He looked happy to be there. He looked happy to be there with LA Knight and help LA Knight. Maybe this is something a little bit more interesting to him. Instead of what he did with Austin Theory. So, John Cena was getting beat the fuck up here, man. Seriously, beat the fuck up. Knight was getting impatient. He was yelling at the referee. He was getting in there, mouthing off at the referee. He could do nothing at this point. Nothing. So you got the Usos here, Solo, and Jimmy operating as a fluid tag team. So Uso and Sokoa continued to make tags. They fucking beat the shit out of John Cena. Solo set up Cena in the corner and landed a Umaga hip attack. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Cena looked like he was fucking done. Cena attempted a comeback, but Solo wiped him out with a spinning heel kick. Uso tagged back in. Cena looked even more down and out. He nailed Uso with an attitude adjustment out of nowhere and desperately tries to make the tag. Now, Uso was successful in making the tag to Solo. Solo comes in and cuts Cena off again from L.A. Knight. Sokoa followed up with a bonsai drop in the corner. He goes for cover on Cena. kicks out of the two. Solo failed to follow it up. And he went for the same move again. Cena got his legs up, and now it was Cena desperately trying to make a tag to L.A. Knight. Solo makes the tag to Jimmy, and L.A. Knight finally gets in there and gets the hot tag. Knight entered in, hits a super kick. Uso went for the top after some offense. Misses. Knight countered with a big elbow drop. Solo broke things up. Cena landed the flying crossbody off the top rope. Yes, Cena flew off the top rope for flying crossbody. I did not misinterpret that or make a typo. Cena came off the top with a very nice-looking crossbody. Uso then landed an Uso splash on John Cena. So we got Jim Uso, Solo, LA Knight, and John Cena all down late in the match. Cena went up for the AA on Solo, but he was super kicked by Uso. Knight, he eventually caught Uso on the top rope and landed a running superplex on Jimmy. The same running superplex that he tries to do. He jumps and then off the top rope. Beautiful looking move. He even had Pat McAfee shocked. Solo was knocked out of the ring after Cena hit a five-knuckle shuffle. LA Knight nailed Uso with the BFT to pick up the win. And the mega team of mega stars. L.A. Knight and John Cena pick up the victory. 
Now, after the match was over, John Cena wanted to raise L.A. Knight's hand, and he backed away. I'm like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, what, what, what's going on here, man? Are we going to have some tension between L.A. Knight and John Cena? L.A. Knight said, nah, bro. I'm going to raise your fucking hand because you're the greatest of all time. And that's the way that match came to a close. Nicely done. Now, this match did not need to go 20-something minutes. I don't know what the fuck WWE was thinking here. John Cena was beaten to a pulp, and there were three attempts at a hot tag for LA Knight. A little bit too much. Match did not need to go 20 fucking minutes. This match could have went 13 minutes tops, 14 minutes, 15 minutes tops. It went over 20 fucking minutes. Why? Why do we need this match to go long? Still entertaining in the end, but they wanted to build to that big L.A. Knight comeback. I get why they did what they did. It's all about L.A. Knight. The more John Cena's beat up, the hotter the tag to L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight saves John Cena, carries John Cena to a victory. L.A. Knight's put over. I get it. I get it. But for the sake of fucking dragging it out, didn't need to go over 20 minutes. L.A. Knight and John Cena get the victory. Backstage. The Judgment Day. They were contemplating not leaving Indianapolis without the World Heavyweight Championship. Damian Priest wanted to cash in his briefcase. Rhea Ripley comes up and said, Priest, your knee, your leg, you're not in condition to go out there and wrestle. You said you wanted this to be perfect. You wanted the opportunity to be right. Right now is not the right time. Hand me the briefcase. What did Damian Priest do? He handed Rhea Ripley the briefcase because what mommy wants, mommy gets. You know, they keep saying that the Judgment Day doesn't have any leaders, right? That was the one narrative that they pushed with the Judgment Day. They don't have any leaders. They do not have a leader. Last couple of shows, that could not be, that could not be any more wrong. Rhea Ripley is absolutely the leader of Judgment Day. I don't know what anybody else is thinking, but I don't know if that is going to become something that grows into something bigger and completely disbands the group. It's got to be something more to that, man. I'd be I would be shocked if WWE doesn't raise that point. Like they they express that there is no leader in Judgment Day, but Rhea Ripley has certainly asserted herself as the leader of Judgment Day. I think if anybody watching the show were to pick, well, who's the leader of Judgment Day? It's Rhea Ripley. Absolutely. No cash in tonight, nor did we see one. Would it have made things a lot better? Maybe. I'm not a fan of Seth Rollins being the world champion right now. Nakamura losing upset some people. I wonder how that would have been if Damian Priest ended up cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase. I guess they have some other plans for that. We'll see what happens. But Seth Rollins, Shinsuke Nakamura in the main event... World Heavyweight Championship. I do not blame you guys for wanting Nakamura to win this match. I get it. I completely get it. But you got to understand, if Nakamura won the championship, would you be satisfied over a long-term basis with Shinsuke Nakamura as champion? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I'm just being brutally honest with you. All anybody wanted was, hey, 
I would rather Nakamura win the championship because I don't want Seth Rollins as champion. That's the only reason why anybody even uttered, well, I wanted Nakamura to win. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Just tell me you didn't want Seth Rollins as the champion and then we'll call it a day because that's the only reason why anybody uttered those words. I mean, that's the reason why I said it. I didn't want Nakamura as the world champion over a long-term basis. The fuck is he going to do as the world champion? Is he going to bring any more interest to the world championship? No. First of all, the world championship is so secondary, it's not even fucking funny anymore. WWE doesn't even hide the fact that it's fucking secondary. It's not even the second biggest title in the company. It's Roman and then Gunther. The Intercontinental Championship. So where are we with the World Heavyweight Championship? We've actually fallen down to third place here. But Nakamura is the world champion. Yeah, sure, it would have been cool to leave Saturday night with Rollins losing to Nakamura. All right, where do we go on Monday? Who does he feud with coming out of fast lane? Do you want to see Nakamura as the champion? No. You just don't want to see Rollins hold the title anymore. But this is why I stated Gunther needs to win the championship. WrestleMania is the destination for that to happen. As soon as he wins the championship, that championship may actually become the number one title in the company. That is the only way you're going to get the title to mean much of anything as a world title in WWE. By putting it on Gunther. Now, with this match, I wanted Rollins to lose because I can't stand him as a champion anymore. But I didn't think he was going to lose because the story does not involve Nakamura being a champion. I do wonder where they go with Nakamura now. Nakamura is as good as gone. I don't mean that that he's leaving WWE, but this heel run that he's on, dead. There's no coming back from it. I don't give a shit what they do. I don't give a shit what they tell you. I don't give a shit what they script him. I don't care what the fans say. I don't care what Triple H says. I don't care what anybody in the company thinks. Nakamura is dead. Dead. All the cryptic promos, all the promises, all the words that he uttered to Seth Rollins, they were basically words and they disappeared like dust in the wind. Goodbye. If a heel so vicious says what he says, like Nakamura to a Seth Rollins, and then does not back it up, why would anybody watching the show take that heel again the next time he goes out there to cut a promo and take him serious? This is why we always said it about Bray Wyatt. Remember when he was the eater of pins, the eater of L's? He had a great fucking promo, man. I could listen to Bray Wyatt speak all night long. Bray Wyatt made everything sound fucking great. But how many times do we have to hear him cut a fucking promo? He goes into a match and loses. How great is that promo going to be the next time he cuts it? How valuable is that promo going to be the next time he cuts it? How are the fans going to trust what he says the next time he's in the ring? They won't. The more you see that happen, the less impactful the promo is going to be. And that's where Nakamura is right now. No matter how good his presentation has been, no matter what the heel turn has been the last few weeks, it's been very good. But he lost. Now what does he do? Championship is now long gone. Does he go back and feud with Ricochet? Great. Great. Who gives a shit about that? We've seen that how many times now? 
This was a fine match. It was much better than their match at Payback. I thought their match at Payback was fucking boring. Honestly. 25 minutes. They tried to go out there and have a great wrestling match. Because they were coming right off of All Out and All In. And then you want to go and deliver what was. The match was fine. It was just boring. Just boring. This was a lot more interesting because the stipulation of a last man staying is going to make anything more interesting. This match started off very slow, man. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. This thing better pick the fuck up. Honestly. Crowd was getting restless. Crowd was silent. Nakamura began playing uh, a game of chase, ring around the rosy, cat and mouse. And Rollins said, you know what? Fuck this shit. Grab the kendo stick. And he failed with the kendo stick. After the match uh, took place on the outside, Rollins hit a suplex on Nakamura. He attempted to follow up by ripping up the mat on the outside and exposing the concrete. So... It was a little bit after this spot. Now we start getting all the tools of the trade coming out. We got tables, chairs, garbage cans, kendo sticks. So this turned into a all-out war. Weapons match between Rollins and Nakamura. Nakamura managed to land a shot on the ring apron to Rollins. He grabs nunchucks from underneath the ring. He starts giving me some fucking nunchuck maneuvers. Very good, by the way. I'm assuming he's a master of the nunchuck, is Shinsuke Nakamura. He landed that on Nakamura. And Seth Rollins was trapped in a garbage can. And Shinsuke followed up by attacking the garbage can with Rollins in it with the kendo sticks. Nakamura continued to attack Rollins. He went and focused right on Rollins' back. Rollins was able to fight out. He had a sling blade on Nakamura. Took some more kendo stick shots to Nakamura before landing a plancha through the ropes to the outside. So we go from outside to inside. We're back in the ring now. Rollins goes up top. Hits a frog splash on Nakamura. Nakamura gets up. Rollins set up a table in the corner. Nakamura flew across the ring but missed. And Seth followed up with a stomp. Shinsuke was able to get up at the count of eight. Rollins took the match back outside. And after setting Nakamura up on the announce desk, he set up a ladder that he pulled from underneath the ring. So he sets the ladder up in front of the commentary desk, and then the commentary desk is adjacent to the ladder. Michael Cole starts yelling on commentary, what are you doing, Seth? Don't do that. He starts yelling at Corey Graves, you've known him for 10 years. Why don't you go tell him to do something? Corey Graves, what the fuck do you want me to tell him? It's the world champion. He's going to do what the fuck he wants. So he sets up a table. Or he sets up a ladder in front of the commentary table. So Shinsuke was able to roll off the desk. Rollins wanted to go up and splash him through the commentary table. Nakamura rolled off. And Rollins was disappointed. He didn't get to splash Nakamura through the table. So Rollins followed Nakamura into the stands because Nakamura jumped the barricade. And before Seth could capitalize, Nakamura managed to save himself by sending Rollins through a stage. So they battle in the crowd, and there's a little stage off to the side of the main stage. And Rollins, he gets shoved off from one of the lower balconies down below. All you see is Rollins bounce up on this canvas that was below him. It looked nice. Brutal. But nice. 
So Rollins recovered, and he got up right before the tent count was made. Both men start heading back to the ringside area. Rollins attempted to hit Nakamura with a pedigree on the exposed concrete that he lifted up earlier in the match. He failed, and back body dropped instead. Rollins once again recovered. So Nakamura, after the back body drop, working on Rollins' back, he gets him back into the ring. Rollins gets up at a count of 10. Seth successfully nailed Nakamura with a pedigree. Nakamura recovered, and he gets up at a 9. They go to the outside again. Nakamura nailed double knees on Rollins through a table. So at this point, I'm like, yeah, they're really teasing Nakamura winning the championship, man. So as the match went back and forth, neither guy wanted to give up. Rollins was obsessed with using this ladder. He climbed up again. Nakamura climbing up on one side. Rollins climbing up on the other. As soon as Rollins meets Nakamura up top, Nakamura pulls out the great Muda card from his pocket and he spits red mist in Rollins' eyes. Rollins is blinded. He falls back. He lands on the commentary table. He goes through the commentary table. I'm like, that's it. It's got to be it. Nakamura's up top like a fucking, just like a, like a, a fucking beast. He's on top of the commentary table, man, like he's some G. Motioning around his way. That's it. I got the title coming to me, man. Raising his hands. This guy Rollins gets up at like a nine and nine tenths. Michael Cole yelling at him to stay down. The only thing holding him up is the fucking ladder that's standing right in front of him. Great spot. Great spot. Now we're back inside the ring. Nakamura nailed Rollins with a big Kinshasa through the table. And again, that's it. I'm like, this match got to be over. The table landed on top of Rollins, which I thought was symbolism for this guy's finished. Kinshasa through the table, table folded over, landed on top of Rollins. Guy gets up. This was like 9.99999% of the way there. He gets up. He rolled to the outside. He pulled the Tommaso Ciampa. So both men now head back up towards the stage. I don't know how. And Rollins nailed Nakamura with a stomp. Rollins followed up with a huge falcon arrow through the table that was set up in the aisleway in the, I don't know where the fuck they were. They were in the uh, the fans. They were in the stands. There's a table set up. Referee got up to a count of nine. Rollins got up. Nakamura collapsed. And Rollins somehow walked out of this thing winning the match. Nakamura could not beat the count of 10 through the table with a falcon arrow as he jumped off. I don't know if it was a bunch of production crates or something. There was a little platform. This was like adjacent to where the commentary is. You know, the timekeeper's area, then they jumped that barricade, went into that little open area. They battled there. They were on top of a platform and a falcon arrow to Nakamura through the table. Nakamura couldn't get up, and Rollins was able to make the count of 10, and he retains the world championship. Nothing else happened after that, man. Rollins celebrated. Fans were singing his song. He held the title up in the fans or in the stands with the paid attendance. And then WWE goes right to a highlight package of the night's festivities. And that's the way Fastlane came to a close. Now, listen, Nakamura looked strong. He did. He looked strong. He looked very strong in defeat. 
But at the end of the day, guys, Nakamura took a loss. There was no interference. Ricochet didn't poke his nose in this thing. We didn't see a return. We didn't see anybody come in and interfere. Rollins beat Nakamura clean. Nakamura has nobody to blame but himself. He could not get the job done. So now we move on. Who does Rollins defend the championship against at Saudi? Probably going to go with a ricochet, man. That's a safe enough match to do on a Saudi show. They could go and do that. I'm all for that. Sign me up. I think that'd be great. Roman Reigns will probably either defend against John Cena, which I think the reports are it's not John Cena, or it could be a returning AJ Styles. We don't know. Where LA Knight fits into all that, again, I don't know. If they go Roman and AJ, then maybe they do LA Knight and John Cena. But who knows if John Cena is going to make Saudi. John Cena may be gone before we even get to Saudi. We don't know. But Seth Rollins and Ricochet more than likely is going to be your championship match. It's a nothing show. That's a nothing match. It'll be competitive. It'll be a very good title match. It'll give Rollins to work with somebody as similar to him in style. And then we can move on to Survivor Series. But at the end of the night, you know, I'm more worried about Nakamura. Where does he go from here? There's no clear answer. There's no clear direction for Nakamura. He may be done. He may be done. But the heel run was probably some of his best work, if not his best work, in WWE, minus the NXT stuff, especially on the main roster. Thought Fastlane was a decent show. It wasn't anything too crazy. It didn't really offer any major surprises. Carlito came back, but he was somebody that was signed with the company since June. Cody and Jey Uso won the tag team championships. I think there's more upside to that than there is downside. And Seth Rollins retains the World's Heavyweight Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. If there was anything I would tell you to go back and rewatch on this show, I can't really tell you to go back and rewatch anything. It was just a three-hour Monday Night Raw disguised as a PLE. That's not necessarily bad, but WWE didn't really do much of anything to make this feel like a premium live event. But that's what you get with these B-level pay-per-views. Good show. I look forward to Raw to see how things transpire going into the next show and with all the different uh, storylines that we got going on here, man. Monday Night Raw should be interesting. Anyway, guys, that is all I got for your post-show, man. I appreciate you joining me tonight on the channel as we do our thing here in the community. Fast Lane post in the books. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to hang out. It's what I like to call last call, man. Go get your drinks. Go get your drinks. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. Twitter. Instagram. TikTok. Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all of the content on the channel. Absolutely, man. Plenty of it. I'm actually going to record something as soon as this post show is over. So you guys have something tomorrow. Looking to make October better than it was in September, man. Hit that thumbs up, man. Let's try for a thousand likes on tonight's post show. 
Thank you for the 2,500 plus in here. No doubt about it, man. We were the most watched stream in the community as always. Thank you guys very much for all your support. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. You know it, brother. Manscaped.com. Code script 20. Today, we're offering you the performance package 4.0. It's the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all this fall season. In this premium package, you're going to find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Ultra Premium Body Wash, which I use every day, man. I fucking love it. It's great. That with the body buffer, if I recommend anything from Manscaped, it's that. Ultra premium body wash, ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, ultra premium deodorant, crop preserver, and crop reviver. They're also going to throw in some free gifts, man. The shed travel bag and the anti-chafing boxers, not briefs, boxers. Lawnmower 4.0, man, is the MVP of this package. You know the Lawnmower 4.0 with the advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate parts and all your holes. Make sure you guys are using all the shower ointments that you need, man. Premium body wash, ultra-premium shampoo as well. They'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Plus, their deodorant is aluminum-free. Please, go get yourself aluminum-free deodorant. Now, I don't know if that's what you guys like, but... I can highly recommend. Make sure you guys go get your performance package 4.0, man. 20% off. Code script 20 at manscaped.com. Also free shipping included with that. Use the platinum package because the gold standard is no longer good enough. Great. Love it. Love Manscaped. I am woman. With a new membership. I am woman. Thank you. Thank you very much for becoming a new member. Appreciate you very much. Scraps. With a new membership. Thank you, Scraps. I am woman and Scraps. What the fuck are you guys drinking tonight? Cameron Battle with the two months. Dave Meltzer said that this is the first ever sold-out Fastlane pay-per-view. Goes to show you the Triple H TakeOver 5 matches format is working. I don't necessarily know if fans are selling the show out because of the lack of matches that they're getting. I think the shows are sold out before WWE even announces a match. It's just me. But yes, the five, six match format, the takeover format is where it's at. And I think a lot of people are starting to finally pick up on that. It's something that I have praised for years and nobody really believed me. Michelle with a $2 Super Jack. Cody and Jay can advance storylines now as champs. Yes. My guy, Dr. Evil Genius. Brother, I got you yesterday, man. You and uh, I shouted uh, you and Mrs. Evil out last night on the SmackDown stream, brother. I'll do it again, man. Shout out to my trainer, Dr. Evil Genius. 
and his Mrs. Evil. She completed her first ultra marathon today, running 31.1 miles. Bro, I'd be tapped out at 0.1 miles. Got home safe, man. Don't know what you did on the six-hour drive, but hopefully there was a lot of coheed involved. Because I know if I was in the Mustang, man, there'd be like, there'd be like six hours of fucking Alter Bridge playing or something. I don't know. Michelle, thank you. D. Bastardo with a $5 super chat. On Wednesday, you brought to light what I've been complaining about. Getting dropped on your head and getting beaten by a roll-up like Nick Jackson. Thank God EO won. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, Genius. Uh, Mortal, uh, not Mortal. Um, Modern Warfare 3 sucks dick, bro. Just throwing it out there. Awful. Fucking awful, man. Just a terrible, a terrible fucking game, man. My God. I played it for like five hours yesterday, man. I'm like, what am I doing? Mindless fucking garbage. Oh my God, man. Let me pay $80 for red dots back on the minimap. Fuck out of here. Uh, Bastardo, thank you, brother. Listen, man. All I do is complain, though. Uh, Michelle, $2 Super Chat. Great main event, but what does each man do now? Rollins probably gets ricochet. I'm already dead with a new membership. Thank you, brother. The fuck are you drinking tonight, man? Beyond the script with the 499. Man, JD, I wanted Shin. Tweeted WWE another missed opportunity, hearing a hundred likes already. Seems like many growing tired of Rollins. New faces, please. I agree, man. The game is far from trash. Well, you're just uh, stuck on mediocrity, Sinister. It's basically the same fucking game as last year with Modern Warfare 2 maps. And Modern Warfare 2 maps were some of the worst maps in the company's uh, or the franchise's history. Estate is a terrible map. Favela is fucking one of the worst maps ever. Holy shit, man. Is that game awful? Phantom. Two months. Enjoying a cold Salish Sea Pale Ale. Never heard of it. Hopefully it's cold. Ice cold. Shaman with a 499. Jay says they don't know the ending. That they're writing the story right now and this is just a chapter. Well, I believe them. I don't think they know where the fuck they're going. Latoya Woods with a $5 super chat. She says, keep it up with a super YouTube emoji con. Thank you, Latoya. KMG, once again, thank you, brother, for the generosity $100 Super Chat. Appreciate you, man. Daniel Parks with a $50 Super Chat. Thank you, brother. Hey, JD, been watching you for a while and enjoy your honest opinion on wrestling. I appreciate that, man. Cheers to you, Daniel. Modern Warfare 2 had the best maps. No, it didn't. Oh, no, it didn't. Fucking, you got, you got to be kidding me, man. Really? 
Modern Warfare 3 had better maps. The original Modern Warfare 3. Black Ops 1 had better maps. Black Ops 2 had better maps. Black Ops 3 had better maps. Come on, man. Black Ops 3 is the best modern warfare shooter of, I think, multiplayer-wise, nothing top modern um, Black Ops 3 for me. Just an, an incredible game, man. I, I couldn't put the fucking game down. Uh, Pizza Turd with 15 months. 15 months. Yeah. Dr. Evil Genius with a 9.99 super chat. Could wrestlers have avoided middle fingers, kicks in the gut, and stunners if they had just given Stone Cold a hell yeah? All he wanted in his life was a hell yeah. Is that too much to ask? A hell yeah and a fucking Steve Weiser, man. I don't know. Even at that point, I still think Stone Cold would have fucking kicked you in the midsection and gave you a goddamn stunner. Really? Dom Wapo with a 499. Both companies are killing it with PLEs. What a fantastic year for wrestling this year. And it's not over yet. Sending good vibes your way, JD. OTS for life. Thank you, Dom Wapo. Little Willie with a 499. When Gunther goes after the world title, who should dethrone him for the IC title? Maybe nobody. Chad Gable. Vinny with a 199. Congratulations to Carter Rhodes on finishing his story. Now we're only in the bottom of the third inning, Vinny. Devin with a two months. It'll be a short-lived reign just to set up Solo and Jimmy versus Cody and Jay. We're definitely looking forward to SmackDown OTS for life. Thank you, Devin. Eddie Foster with a $20 super chat. Just coming home from Fastlane. I thought it was a decent show tonight. The crowd was electric walking in. And as we were leaving, I felt the tag title match was the match of the night. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, OTS for Life. I thought the tag team title match was the best match of the night as well. Definitely came across that way on TV. Cake with a $2 super chat. I need a rant on the EO question from Steve Fall. Bro, Steve Fall is absolutely... I'm surprised. I'm surprised he is as popular as he is if I would even say that. I mean, he he is as... I don't know the right word to use to describe Steve Fall, man. I, I mean, it, it's almost as if he's so feminine in, in everything he... I mean, he, he's like the biggest fucking geek. I, I mean, it, it's almost unnatural the way he acts. And asks questions. Bro, it's professional wrestling. We all love professional wrestling, man, but... I mean, is he the guy that asked EO about wrestling Taylor Swift? 
Like, bro, you get invited to these fucking scrums and you don't ask legitimate fucking questions? Then I got people telling me, oh, they're not scripted. They're not staged. They're not pre-screened. Then you got some fucking geek like Steve Fall. God, you go try and listen to one of his interviews, man. Listen to his voice. I guarantee you, you won't get past two minutes. Guarantee it. Who? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who? This is what these guys need to basically build their career off of, man. Sucking dick. Honestly. They can't do what we do here. None of them are entertaining. None of them will ever sit down and give a genuine, honest opinion. If you get a genuine, honest opinion from them... They'll, they'll be sitting in front of their colleagues away from a camera and away from a microphone. But then when they go and do what they do in front of these media people, they're sucking dick and they're fucking, uh, you know, praising everything. And they, they don't really give a solid uh, opinion, honest opinion. So basically, you've gotten your way through life by being a bullshit artist and lying. Couldn't be me. I'm quite happy with what I do here, and I make a very good living doing what I'm doing. Nobody has to be a Steve Fall. Steve Fall wants to be a Steve Fall, and most people look at him as a pathetic geek. Honestly. You want my opinion? There you go, man. I never held any punches here. That's my opinion. You can go be a Steve Fall if you want. I ain't going to go be a Steve Fall because I'm a fucking man, and I know how to act in front of people. The way he acts is not... We're acting like a human being. It's not. It's very unnatural to me. Sorry. You don't like it? Go take a walk. And you got people that, who? Who? Yeah. You asked a question, I gave you an answer. Yet those are the people that would look at me and, and say, oh, this guy sucks. I'm sorry. You can't do what I do. Can you hold people's attention for three hours on a fucking podcast running a show all by yourself? No. No, you can't. That's why you don't do it. And that's why you opt to go in a different direction, which is bullshitting your audience. Thomas with the final super chat. I want to see Finn versus Priest as a world champion. Edge is an AEW. Christian is doing this is doing some of his best work both on the mic and in the ring in AW. Your thoughts? Yes. Yes on Edge and Christian. Yes. Finn and Priest may be your WrestleMania match. Is it gonna be for a world title? No. Even Triple H took the piss out of him. Well, you know, in Steve Fall's mind, in the back of his head, he's like, I suck at what I do, and I need to generate some interest in what I do, so let me ask an absolutely ridiculous fucking question so that it goes viral on social media, and everybody will see me ask the stupid question, but in the end, everyone's going to think I'm a fucking idiot. So who's going to give a shit at the end of the day? Now, if you ask the solid fucking question with some merit... 
Maybe you'll be trending for all the right reasons instead of looking like a fucking half-assed fucking moron. Jason Barker with a five. What's up, brother? Roman Reigns is going to come out with a notebook looking like Dana Brooke with Titus O'Neil. Glasses on, asking questions. I don't see Roman Reigns asking some tough questions and giving us some answers, man. I don't know what the fuck we're doing. RM Monster with a 499. In regards to who has the best moonsault. Tiffany's looks best in execution, but it's kind of soft on the landing. EO seems more impactful and damaging. I'm not going to argue with who does the best moonsaults. Chad Gable's got a great moonsault. Keith Lee's got a great moonsault. Wardlow's got a great moonsault. Phil with 11 months. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate you, brother. 11 months, baby. Glad to be a part of the OTS fam. Many more to come. Also, thanks for the birthday wish yesterday, JD. You are truly the goats of the IWC. I try, brother. I try, man. And Jason Lashley. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you for helping me with that... uh, that raid earlier today, man. Guzzlord on Pokemon Go. My guy Jason Lashley helped me do a Guzzlord raid today this afternoon. JD, your pal fake Mega Man from Pokemon Go. Thanks for the raid invites. Hope you got a good Guzzlord. I got a three-star, man. No shiny. No shiny. Still hunting for that shiny Guzzlord. I didn't really expect him to be as easy as he was. I remember him last year being a little bit more difficult. I think they nerfed him. You didn't even catch yours. But that's how it goes sometimes. What would you give the whole pay-per-view overall out of 10? I just finished the show. I'd probably, I'd probably give it a solid six and a half. Solid six and a half out of 10. What are we saying pause for, genius? What did I say? This guy's always creeping around like fucking Batman hanging off a goddamn building. I'm getting the fuck out of here, man. Fuck this shit. Guzzlord is the name of the Pokemon. Look. I'll show you. And I'm not lying. Look. Guzzlord. See? He's got a big mouth. Anyway, I'm getting out of here, man. Fuck this shit. Hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed the post show tonight, man. Appreciate you all very much for hanging out with me. Some extra tomorrow, and then I'll be back Monday with Monday Night Raw. Right here on the podcast. Busy week coming up, man. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other content on the channel. Continue to hit that thumbs up. 
and manscaped.com code script 20. Gonna leave you guys with some Andy James. I'm gonna get out of here. Have a great night, guys. Thank you for a great stream. And I'll see you right back here in the sub boxes tomorrow, right here with more off the script. I'll see you guys later.